Hello, Needle Movers, it's Valerio Tommaso. And if you've ever felt that traditional ways of working just don't vibe with our generations, i.e. the millennials, then today's episode <laughs> is tailor-made for you. Yeah, that's right. Mark Jason's here, and together we're diving into the essence of one of the most iconic brands ever. Ever wondered how a tiny record shop, I don't even know if people know it used to be a record shop, could give birth to an empire spanning airlines to space travel. <laughs> Stick around because The Virgin Way by Richard Branson is more than just a book. It's a revolution. For a split second, I thought you were going to say, I don't even know if you know where that record is. <laughs> and it depends on the listeners, right? If that's you're a Gen Z, you might know what a record is. <laughs> Stick with the millennials. That's so true. God damn it. Tower Records, Virgin <laughs> Records, yeah. And before we deep dive, here's the cliffhanger for you. What if I told you that listening to rock music could teach you the secret of billionaire success. Intrigued? Keep those headphones on or maybe keep your stereo on whatever listening to us. <laughs> maybe you're in a car, but keep listening. Mark, I've been always been intrigued by Richard Branson's journey. As a matter of fact, it's probably one of the very first books that I've read and I remember recommending it to you all the way back then when I used to work at Rolls-Royce. And before we delve into the key takeaways from The Virgin Way, which is the book that we're looking in today, let's set the stage. Who is Richard Branson for our millennial listeners just tuning in today? So yeah, Richard, the man behind the brand, the founder of Virgin Group, which isn't just any business tycoon. Uh, also, I do remember reading the book. I, it's funny you say you're the one who recommended it to me because I didn't know that. It <laughs> is me. It is it me. Is, it is you. Bill, yeah, we should do Nike's one as well. But yeah, no, this guy. So from he, this is a guy who from a young age showcased a spirit of rebellion. He kind of is uh, associated with rebellion in a way uh, and disruption and innovation you can't put his name in without thinking of innovation he spans across 400 companies the virgin group has touched everything from music to airlines telecommunications and if you've been paying attention even space travel that's huge right and it's not just about business i've heard tales of his daredevil adventures too yeah. I swear he is kind of crazy. <laughs> like he embodies the adage, live life to the fullest. From trying to fly around the world in a hot air balloon to kite surfing across the English Channel. And the thing is, I'm so curious how high his insurance must be to do these things because they don't <laughs> even let actors or people do it. But him, he's like, yeah, I'm not only going to try this. I'll be the test subject as well. His life is like a blend of business and adventure. He's also known for... Uh, attempting to cross the Atlantic Ocean in the fastest ever recorded time. Not just trying to do it, trying to do it the fastest. So whilst facing, I think there were storms and huge waves, it's a mixture of entrepreneurial spirit, but also there's clearly thrill-seeking uh, that sets him apart. So I've read two or three of his books. Uh, one of them is called The Virgin Way. The other one is called uh, Losing My Virginity, I think. And then there is like another <laughs> another book as well. And I can't remember which one of the two or threes that I've read, but it starts off with his farewell letter that he's writing in the middle of one of his adventures, thinking that he's about to lose his life because of how badly his adventure is going. So he's, he's really out there in terms of... Uh, uh, passion for what it does, but also living life to the to the fullest. Yeah. And such exploits, they really resonate with our generation's desire for meaning, passion, and adventure in what we do. And Branson surely exemplifies the blend of work and play that we all seek. 
So now coming to the Virgin Way, what drove him to pen down his philosophy? So besides just being a adrenaline junkie, clearly, <laughs> if you're like, oh man, I might die. You know what I should do next? Go to the moon. <laughs> like <laughs> Beyond that, he's also a storyteller. That's why it, of the books he's read, he's written, you've read three, like he, he's done a bunch, but uh, specifically through the Virgin Way, he shares not just his business principles, but also some life lessons, challenges, and failures and ethos that shaped Virgin's culture overall. It's a window into his world, offering readers a blueprint on how to innovate, disrupt, and succeed, as he'd put it, I guess, the Virgin Way. All right, Mike, let's talk about the first principle in the Virgin Way, which is listening. Now, on the surface, it sounds pretty basic, but in the Branson context, what does it all mean? So listening, as Branson puts it, isn't just about hearing words. It's an art. Of course, he'd say it's an art. (laughs) It's about deeply understanding what's being communicated. It goes beyond. So in The Virgin Way, he stresses the importance of being an engaged listener, especially for key leaders. So in fact, he believes that leaders who don't listen will soon find themselves surrounded by people who have nothing to say, which in some companies and cultures is the hierarchical structure that is just implemented. And yeah, it doesn't bode, um, I guess, continuous improvement growth or, you know, more than just, what's the word? Followers, mindless followers. And I I don't know if you've come across this before, maybe we mentioned it before, but people don't leave bad jobs, they leave bad managers. Facts. And that always yeah. resonates with me. But what's interesting also is that he he believes obviously that listening is is a key skill. And the part that is really interesting is the fact that uh, he actually had uh, learning challenges growing up. He didn't do well at school at all because it turns out that he was dyslexic, I believe, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a word for dyslexia way back then. So yeah. people just thought that he was lazy. And it's interesting that he got around this challenge that he had around dyslexia and he made listening one of his key skills that actually brought him up in terms of like the way that he engaged with others. So that's really profound. And didn't he have a particular experience at the music store that showcased all of this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So picture this. If you go back to London in the 1970s, Oxford Street is alive with the hum of activity. In a modest music store amidst racks of vinyl records, which Val already pointed out, if you don't know what they are, imagine, oh God, I was about to say CDs, but I don't know if it will help. Just, just, <laughs> it's, a a young, big, it's a big disc that used to be put on. <laughs> They've come back around, so maybe. But yeah, young Richard Branson is often found mingling with customers. Instead of a distant owner, he's right there on the ground, ears open. He doesn't just sell records. He listens to what customers have to say about them. One thing as well is I fully, I don't know if this shows our age, it doesn't matter. I remember going into a store called Tower Records in Camden Town or some, somewhere like that. And then it got taken over by Virgin and he was excited because it was like this big store. But one aspect of this listening piece that um, kind of resonates is the fact that if you think of the what they're saying he did, he was on the ground, ear to the floor, listening to the customers directly. The more recent story of this, which I'm sure we've all heard, or at least we've heard a lot, is Airbnb. They weren't just there uh, doing their rentals. They were going and finding out directly from their customers what is it they want, what is the benefits, and now they've exploded <laughs> to a preferred option over hotels at points, really, which wasn't even an option at all. House sharing, if you put it like that, doesn't sell. But the way they've managed to take that and drive it, full different thing. 
And just on that point, what Airbnb did, as well as what Branson did way back then, wasn't just about getting the feedback on the music or in the Airbnb case, listening to what the customers wanted, was it? No, no, no. It was deeper. By listening, Branson was able to like tap into the emerging trends, discovering what music genres were about to take off, which is kind of key if you own a record store or any type of music service. So this active engagement allowed Virgin Records to stay ahead of the curve, identifying and promoting artists that would some soon become like mega stars. His practice of listening on the shop floor was a precursor to the business acumen that would define the Virgin brand. And funnily enough, we can fast forward from the 1970s to like 2023. And you think of what does Spotify and Apple Music and SoundCloud and Bandcamp and all these things do. They've taken what he was doing like manually and tried to embody it into their algorithms, their software to try and promote what is new and upcoming. But he was doing it before these even existed to try and build up that same, well, following that same understanding and appreciation of the his service. Yeah, I, I, I like big data because they basically take simple concepts and they kind of like expand them to such a huge level using data points from Facebook, Instagram, etc. And they really try to get results because of that, which is brilliant. But it just kind of shows that, you know, a simple act of listening shaped an entire empire. Mm. And it's a statement to how fundamental principles can lead to groundbreaking results. From active listening, Branson's diverging way segues into another pivotal principle, learning from failures. Now, that's a theme that resonates with many of us, including us, Mark. Yeah, yeah, of course. So Branson's perspective on failure is enlightening. Instead of viewing setbacks as disasters like most people do, he kind of considers them essential stepping stones to success, which a select few people do, I'd say. Uh, He emphasizes that the fear of failure can often hold people back, uh, stifling innovation and risk-taking. And aren't I too familiar with that? (laughs) Where It's like you you need to be somewhat comfortable and thus you hold yourself back, really. If your second name could be failure, it would be (laughs) well-fitting. But jokes aside, he is well known for failures in, in many different aspects. And he has some extraordinary failures that, uh, that really people still remember today in some way. So I guess segueing from that, do you remember like what are some of the best failures that he had in his nineties? I know there was the attempt to like circumnavigate the globe in a, I think I mentioned it right in a balloon during the nineteen nineties. So he had this extreme, let's say, sky high ambition. Uh, the challenge was insane. It was it was like him trying to do some David Blaine thing. Uh, so there was technical malfunctions to unpre- unpredictable weather patterns. Uh, him and his team faced a series of setbacks the whole way. At one point, they were floating over Algeria with fuel dwindling, unsure if they'd even clear the expanse of the Pacific. So I know that's just one of them. And th- and this is prior, I'm guessing, to him writing that letter or maybe during it. <laughs> maybe that point he's like, maybe I should figure out my life. So I don't know if you remember this one. He tried to take on Coca-Cola. I remember this. And there was this huge advertisement that he did where he had a truck driving into a wall of coca-cola cans and he basically then had like a virgin cola come out and i remember virgin cola right i remember this this virgin cola being sold in supermarkets i think i was in italy uh back then so that that's how young i was and um 
and it flopped. <laughs> There's no other singer. It just flopped. <laughs> I wonder if he was going to go on for KFC if he'd won that one. It's like all of them could get it. He's, a, he's the type he would do as well. What would he call that? Virgin fried chicken? <laughs> yeah, of course. Everything's virgin. Okay. Uh, here's my theory, right? He was a virgin for a lot of his life, and thus he really identified with it. He's like the Batman of our generation, except with bats, <laughs> he chose virginity, and thus <laughs> it, it makes the most sense to me. I mean, if, if I'm not wrong, then the, the meaning behind the name is uh, something around the lines of uh, be, uh, it, it was basically like a group of people, or uh, it was um, uh, they aspire to be new at what they were doing. So because of that, they were virgins to it. And and I think that's that's the meaning behind it. But I like how he's uh, transpired <laughs> it to everything else. Yeah. Well, he was just a virgin and he found a bigger meaning behind it. That's what I'm sticking with. That's not in the book. Please don't quote me on this. This is my theory. <laughs> and my conspiracy. <laughs> but all his failures, like the the uh, the Coca-Cola truck taking on uh, the, such a huge company, uh, is uh, circumnavigating the globe in a, in a hot air balloon. It all sounds very harrowing, yet he persisted. And I think that's what really sticks out. Yeah, for sure. Even though the mission did not ultimately lead to success in terms of like global circumnavigation, it was still a victory in resilience and drawing lessons from adversities. Of course, great things for a book, <laughs> you'd say. So he used this experience and many others like it to reinforce his message. Failures aren't the end. They're rich learning opportunities. And they're also a good way to change your mindset to like use them like he does as like footstools to lift himself up. Yeah, and I think the key message here is that uh, there, there's probably plenty other people that said it, but it's not about a stumble, but how we rise after the fall. Mm. And Branson's journey truly embodies the spirit. And it's really easy to just look at Branson and be like, oh, you know, the, the guy did well with one business, which was like the, it's not even the record business, by the way, that did well. That wasn't even his first venture. His first venture was when he decided to quit school and um, start a magazine. And he started hiring people from his school to deliver this magazine all around the, of, I think it was like around London or wherever it was. And then from that success, it then moved on to the Virgin Records and everything else that they did. But it's really easy to just look at uh, some of the biggest successes and just look at the failures and be like, oh yeah, yeah, he failed, but he had plenty of money to get back on. But that's that's not the point. He still failed. He, still, he was still putting the skin in the game. And I think as well, it's very easy for, like, take one of his failures and that's someone else's whole life, you know, just taken as my life's a failure if they look at it with a different lens, right? He do, His... Uh, failures are massive successes to us right? in some aspects but it's just about the perspective of he takes them in as in lack of better words on the chin like okay that happened so i wanted to circumvent the globe i didn't do that but i got so many lessons from the adversities and my whole value system my whole system is focused on the fact that that is uh a the way I can continue learning, basically, which just puts the value in learning. Yeah. So, sorry. What one of the key differences is that unlike most people, instead of doing something or launching a venture or doing something crazy, let's call it, because there is potential money or there is a potential gain in it, he does it more out of curiosity. It seems, and it's that probably it's that curiosity that allows him to be more flexible, but also to realize that okay, I hit the wall. And uh, I either got an option to quit or an option to carry on. And he's able to almost have that perspective that uh, 
that gives him that rounded, uh, rounded vision where he can say, okay, actually, you know what? Like in the Virgin Collar example, I'm just going to cut my losses and realize that this was a bad idea and just move on with the with the next thing. But is I think it's that curiosity element that allows him to to be flexible and allows, allows him to be successful in some ways and uh, also capable of cutting his losses short uh, in the places where they don't work really. And I think just one thing to add on to that is that in a number, if not all, of the big success we see, be it people or companies, they are mirrored in failures that we probably either downplay or ignore or aren't aware of that get them to that point where they just look like a massive success and it's like, no. And uh, uh, I guess for a case-for-case basis, if you scale it right down, to get the jobs that people currently have now, they probably got a number of rejections, which fall to a distant memory once you're already in the role that you're in or the one that you're happy with or whichever. But there's like so many steps <laughs> that are overshadowed by your successes, but it's they're all very relevant to how you become like to the point you are now. I'll, I'll never forget when we were sitting in, uh, I think it was final year of uni, we were sitting in uh, in the library and I think it was like one of those small conference rooms, we we're doing a bit of revision. <laughs> I had spent a good part of like the previous four or five days putting together like a super long application letter for this company called Arab. And uh, suddenly like I received the email saying, uh, uh, we thank you for your time in uh, applying for Arab, but unfortunately you've not been successful. (laughs) I crossed my laptop, I look at Mark, I was like, Mark, fuck this, I'm going back to Rose Rice. (laughs) (laughs) And you did. (laughs) And I did. You said, screw it. Don't tell, you should have said that to Rolls Royce on your first day. Why am I here? You ask? Well, yeah, my <laughs> fallback option. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's part and, of his lessons, right? Have a safety net, basically. Have a safety net. But to, to some extent, you know, my, my safety net w- was a huge company that would have been the first choice for, for a lot of other people. But I, I was holding myself to like an entire, entirely different standard. I went to different things. And for me, that became the, the fallback option. Uh, but yeah, I, f- I forgot why I, st- I said that story, but at, at the time, I thought <laughs> there was some relevance. <laughs> there is relevance there, man. That was a failure that led to you now, right? You pushed True, forward, true, so true. Yes, that, that, that was what I meant with that story. That was <laughs> if, if you say so. <laughs> Now, after understanding the importance of listening and embracing failure, Branson brings us to another corner store in the Virgin Way. Having fun and taking care of your team. Mark, this feels so crucial in today's age, especially for our millennial listeners, especially considering what I meant, what I said earlier, that people don't leave bad jobs, but they leave bad managers. A hundred percent. You actually beat me to it. I was going to say exactly that. The fact that you'd already mentioned you leave bad managers. If you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying it, I know that there's some people who are pushed by, oh, I just need to make money for my family and get my day job. And that's all fine until someone starts fucking with you. And then you're like, I need to get out of this. This is so frustrating. And Branson believes that uh, enjoyment isn't just an added bonus at work, basically. It's a fundamental right, which is wild to hear. Like that doesn't I, I i worked in a place called enjoy work and still i'm like that's kind of crazy that they really want you to enjoy it <laughs> like enjoy your time the virgin brand spirit has always been about fun and positivity 
Branson stresses that employees who enjoy their work are more productive, creative, and committed, which if you think about it, makes total sense, which is why you're like, why are some people actively dicks? What do you want from me? <laughs> like, are you prioritizing just, maybe that's how they enjoy their work, or they want misery loves company, or something like that, but the difference is starking, and it's just like, What's the point in some sense? Yeah, they, they are like professional dicks, as you mentioned. <laughs> I've had mm. quite a few along my journey. Uh, yeah. But th- this kind of like stands out for uh, for two reasons. Um, I, I, I'm I'm gonna like take take one, and then you know, like if I, if anything that you remember comes up for you, then you can also add it in. At, at the very at the very start of um, uh, Sir Richard Branson's, uh, let's call it like career in a way, but it's not really a career, entrepreneurship. One of the things that they did is that he bought a fairly large house. And um, in buying this fairly large house, it wasn't just a fairly large house for his family and himself to enjoy, but he actually used it as a platform for him to have discussions, invite, uh, you know, different bands to his house have like some of those closing deals have late night discussions and conversations but he almost managed to to marry the two elements of uh of work as well as his passion and his family uh all together in one place because you know he didn't have to have the commute time to get to to and from places and he could spend more time maybe have the bath time with his kids etc etc but i found that very interesting how he managed to to meet the the various uh, conflicting elements of it, of his life, willing to want to try and uh, and uh, limit some of the downsides. It makes me think of the practices that were like spearheaded by people who were considered eccentric and different, like Richard Branson, which became like almost commonplace, or became like the pathway or target way for budding entrepreneurs who wanted something different. You know, there's, I think we've even done this, addressed it in the plus 1% where when you try not to conform, you end up falling into, it's the hipster effect, into a line with a different, uh, uh, like you all blend into the same. But this is someone who like paved his own path. By doing that, in a way, he um he showcased, hey, you don't have to be as, let's say, strict formal. You can have passions that are your work and you can enjoy it. Whereas I think if we think back to how corporate looked because that is if you think virgin's too big not to be corporate it's it's goddamn corporate (laughs) but um it you think cubicles you think black and white you think suits you think you know what i mean there's a certain mentality that you can associate with it and you might not do that as much now but it's due to people like this breaking the path and saying hey you can still be successful you can still get the most out of people you can still be productive you can still be a billion dollar company and people who are allowed to enjoy it and find themselves and still have a voice and a personality within it. Mm. And if I'm not wrong, right, there is uh, another legendary tale about Branson, something about a party in an island. Oh, I think that's um, Neckler Island? Necker Island, I think it is. In the 1980s, he bought this, I think it was a beautiful piece of paradise in British Virgin Islands, I'm remembering now. So, while many would have seen it merely as, you know, a luxury retreat, his he envisioned it differently. So he, his whole mindset was it's a place of rejuvenation and connection. He'd host gatherings, inviting both employees and thought leaders, fostering a whole environment of just relaxation 
and creative brainstorming, which now you think about, that's literally what retreats became, right? <laughs> that's the 1980s before it, but it was that first getaway of actually this, but he bought the whole island. People just usually rent the space and be like, hey, let's go here. He bought an entire island based on that principle. So the first thing that comes to mind is, do you think the British Virgin Islands were called that before or after he bought them? After he took their virginity. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging fruit. And, 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 and I think the second, I guess, observation is that it, what's great is that he wasn't just a place for lavish parties and exotic getaway was it now i, I feel like those were included <laughs> but far from it it wasn't just that these gatherings on necker island were a testament to his belief in taking care of his team so in this let's call it serene environment away from all the hustle of city life ideas flowed and collaborations were born and bonds were strengthened oh my god this is directly reminding me of a book that i think you suggested to me where they went on a retreat. I'm going to have to figure it out, or we'll do an episode on it, and you'll find out in later episodes which book I'm talking about. It's a very interesting book. They go away on a retreat, and exactly like this, there's like bonds that were strengthened. And it showcased Branson's commitment to work-life harmony and the importance he placed on team well-being, which is super key. As soon as you said that, like, oh, I, you remind me of this book. And I was like, are you talking about Lord of the Flies? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's... that's- <laughs> That's just your diary. <laughs> Why'd you eat that guy and think he was a pig, man? <laughs> oh. I just remember like reading it from school. I had like this flashback. <laughs> your 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 life is a hard hard life lived, is what I'll say. But anyway, it, it, as you say, it's, it's an island of innovation, relaxation, and connection. And what a powerful symbol of Branson's ethos in a way. Truly, the Virgin Way is not just a leadership guide. It's also a lifestyle manual, something that you can take as, a, as an inspiration point, um, especially if you are looking to embark into the entrepreneurial journey. It's not all about serious. It's not all about being this uh, corporate image. It's actually about personality and it's about adding in that flair that you bring to life into into your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, and jokes aside, it's a very, very interesting book. We only mention books here that we would recommend reading. If we don't recommend it, we'd literally say it. So, but honestly, it's um, it's a nice way to take a step back and think, actually, how did this person who has become just a normal statement piece in everyone's lives, like, how do you not know a virgin? Like, <laughs> and even, yeah, it's on a scale beyond thinking. And how he got there and the principles he's used to get there, which I'd say can somewhat deviate from where you think would be the strict route. That just shows you how unparalleled or how there are so many avenues to reach your version of fulfillment, your version of passion and your version of like success. Um, and with his, he's uh, clearly a risk taker. He's clearly um, someone who likes adrenaline, but he doesn't prioritize that over people and he still focuses on listening he still focuses on making sure his team are having fun and enjoying and yeah i feel like it should be a a reminder to everyone that you don't you shouldn't have to compromise your good values and habits to try and succeed if you find yourself doing that maybe you can second guess and consider hey maybe this ain't where i need to go there are routes and companies that exist that help you like find a better solution that's still lets you remain who you are at your core which should hopefully be someone good true and as branson himself says opportunities are like buses there is always another one coming mm. so for all our listeners out there keep pushing keep learning and embrace the journey of your own overnight success and until next time adios <laughs> <laughs>